What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and it's getting kind of sad here. Like This is a waiver wire video we're doing here, week 16. We only have one more of these, week 16, week 17, and then that's it. Four waiver videos until what? September of 2023. So if you made it this far, I really appreciate all the support you guys have given me this season. Just, you know, sort of having this community, all of us in here together trying to win our leagues. I'm still thankfully alive in the home league, uh, was knocked out of the Patreon league, was literally like fifth place before week 15, lost in uh, week 14, moved down to ninth. Those Patreon leagues we set up in the offseason are absolutely cutthroat. It's also even more bittersweet because that team would have outscored three out of four of the wild card teams that played before the two teams would buy. So I likely would be in the semifinals in that league. But we're all here. No more trades. The only way we can make our teams better is through the waiver wire. So I picked out today eight players off waivers, all under 50% owned on ESPN. That you should be going out there, bidding on, adding, claiming, all of that good stuff. So let's not waste any time. If you enjoy the video at any point, make sure down below. Subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Thirsty, thirsty, try to choose. I mean, I know I'm now I'm going to be honest with you guys. This is not the most fruitful waiver wire. This is going to be it. It's a little bit dry, a little bit bare bones ish, but it's just what we have to work with. And first up here, the reason why I say this is because we have Jonathan Taylor go down, right? He's on IR. He was just put there as I'm speaking. And the issue is that there's not an Alexander Madison behind them, right? A guy very clearly handcuff is going to be amazing. We had Deion Jackson behind him at one point, and he stepped in for Jonathan Taylor before Jeff Saturday came in. And then Jeff Saturday came in, they trade away Naeem Hines, they grab Zach Moss, and now we have a really weird two-way backfield split between Zach Moss and Deion Jackson. And the issue here is I don't have a clear read on who is going to be the lead guy. If we look here, these are the snaps after the Jonathan Taylor injury. Zach Moss played on 70% of the snaps, Deion Jackson 32% of the snaps, and it was Zach Moss's backfield. He handled 24 carries, one target, that's like, what, like 25 running back opportunities, to Deion Jackson's 13 carries and a target, so 14 to 25, definitely this like 70-30, like 60-40 type split towards Zach Moss, but this is where I'll push back a little bit. It was a weird game script, the Colts were up 30 at half versus the Vikings, and they were essentially playing sort of how the, the Falcons were playing up 28-3, to three, just trying to run out the clock, chew the clock, just have the game run out, and they walk out of there, you know, up 10, up 7, something like that. The issue is that Zach Moss, I think that he was under 4 yards per carry. He wasn't very good on the ground. I think Deion Jackson fumbled and then just, you know, them collapsing all over the place. So I think that this game wasn't like a glowing, you know, a glowing report or a glowing like I'm trying to think of the word here but it wasn't a great showing from Zach Moss like I don't think Zach Moss did a ton to earn 70% of the the snaps moving forward they also activated Jordan Wilkins who they sort of like on that team it should be sort of this three-way backfield and the issue is that when you have guys like Jeff Saturday who might not be doing the most optimal things for their team you have this weird split where 70-30, the issue is that Deion Jackson, he is a receiving back. He can do it all, but 
the game that Jonathan Taylor missed, he had like 10 targets. He was used heavily in the passing game. And Zach Moss was used on 14 of 20 third downs, long down and distance type snaps. Now you can say again, they were up a ton. Maybe they weren't even really trying to pass on third down situations and they wanted Zach Moss in there. So all I'm really trying to say here is this is going to be tough to decipher moving forward. Uh, I think I'll have both guys. I'll probably have Zach Moss like in the low 30s in terms of running back rankings this week, like probably in that RB30 to RB35 area. And then Deion Jackson probably in that like RB35 to RB45 area. Uh, and the kind of the way I see it, I think Moss probably gets a nod for this game as like the lead back. Maybe they ride the hot hand and he doesn't look great and they go with Deion Jackson. What I would think happens here is Zach Moss is going to be the lead back running going to this game. And lead back, I say that sparingly, like 55-45, 60-40 type split. Uh, with Deion Jackson working his way in there, possibly even getting the nod ahead of him as you know the hot hand running back and then starting the week after that. So really messy situation here. The good part is that they have two really light matchups here where maybe even both running backs could get home. You have the Chargers this week who are allowing the, I believe, like fourth most fantasy points to opposing running backs, and then the Giants who are allowing the 11th most fantasy points to opposing running backs. So they have a really, really nice schedule here to exploit these run defense. It's just a matter of, you know, picking which running back is actually going to be the one that receives the touches. And for now, I lean Zach Moss, but I think both guys are worthy of big claims on waivers. Now, after that, we have Chuba Hubbard, uh, who was on the list last week, but he has outsnapped Deonta Foreman for, I believe it was like the first time all season or the first time since trading with Christian McCaffrey that Chuba Hubbard outsnapped Deonta Foreman. And I don't think he's completely overtaken this backfield, even though it really looks like that, right? Hubbard had 63% of the snaps. Deonta Foreman had just 30%, but this was a game where they were behind the entire time. They abandoned the run game. They only had 21 yards rushing. And neither running back really got home. You had Chuba Hubbard had seven touches. Deontay Foreman had 10. Neither guy really scored a ton. So I don't know that this is like a glowing Chuba Hubbard is the lead back here. But I do think that it's at least now where Deontay Foreman was clearly the, the lead back. I think it's now more of a 50-50 split with Deontay Foreman playing more in close games or with a lead. Or I, I think it is kind of a thing with Deontay Foreman where they gave him 10 carries this game. He didn't really do much with them. But in another game, we give him like five to 10 carries. And if he's being efficient and he's, you know, breaking off big runs and they probably just keep feeding him, if that makes sense. Like he seems like somebody that can almost play his way into more volume from just playing well in a game. So again, I think in close games or games where they have a lead or games where Deontay Foreman plays well early, he'll be the guy who gets the, the most snaps and most touches. And I think in heavy trailing game scripts, like the one we just saw here, that'll be Hubbard's to sort of be the guy on the in the backfield on third downs and hopefully you get a touchdown and like a couple catches and he gets you there now here's the tough part two really tough schedules here they have or two games that are tough Detroit and Tampa Bay so I would say it probably skews towards Hubbard where they're probably going to be underdogs in both of those matchups there's not going to be a ton to have on the ground so maybe he gets favored a little bit in the passing game I would probably put him somewhere like the RB 35-ish range for this week, you know, RB35 to like RB40, nothing too, too pretty. But he is a guy where if Deonta Foreman was to go down, he does have that contingent upside where I think if Foreman went down, Chuba Hubbard would be a, you know, 70% opportunity share, snap share guy, probably be like a top 30 running back uh, on a weekly basis. After that, we have Tyler Algier, 
who absolutely went crazy. That post rookie bump that we're always talking about. 17 rush attempts, 139 yards on the ground, a touchdown, 22.6 PPR points, looked great, led all running backs in rushing grade. Here's the concern, though, and I'm very happy for Tyler Algier. And I think he's going to be fine moving forward. I think he's going to be somebody that's probably in that RB30-ish range. I know all these guys are in that range, but that's just kind of what it is uh, with these guys getting off waivers. He's probably going to be in like the RB30-ish range for me moving forward. The issue is that there's not really a path to him getting to like 60 to 70% of the opportunities in the snaps here. He is pretty much locked into a 50-50 split with Corderell Patterson. And I don't know that there is a world where he pushes t- Patterson to the side and emerges as like a majority of the touches of the snaps type of running back. So the ceiling's a little bit hampered, but this run scheme for as much as we give Arthur Smith all the smoke in the world, he can scheme a run game. He can be efficient on the ground. And that's sort of what you're going to get with Tyler Algier. He turns 17 carries into 140 yards. He probably doesn't do that again. He probably turns, you know, 15 carries into like 60 to 80 yards and like a touchdown. Uh, That's what you're probably looking at here. Again, maybe he earns like a 60-40 split. I would just have a really tough time seeing it. Now, the last running back we're going to see is Jalen Warren. And this one isn't like, you know, drop all your fab on him, but he's a priority handcuff to me when we're talking about the guys like Rashad White, Alexander Madison, these guys who are already owned in a ton of leagues. I think Jalen Warren is a guy who isn't owned in a ton of leagues that is just as much of a premium handcuff as those guys. He is now accounting for about a third of the running back touches and snaps, right? It's like a 63 to 33 split when it comes to him versus Najee, which is pretty wild just considering last year, Najee like led the NFL in opportunity share and snap share. He was out there for like 90% plus of the snaps and everything, which just speaks to how much they love Jalen Warren. Mike Tomlin is a guy where we've seen Le'Veon Bell get suspended. D'Angelo Williams comes in like an old D'Angelo Williams comes in is amazing for fantasy. Same thing with Le'Veon Bell getting suspended again. James Conner comes in and he looks amazing. He has been a guy where no matter what running back he's using, they're going to get an 80% plus workload. That's not what it's been this year. And I don't think it's, I think it's partly because Najee hasn't been great, but I think it's partly just because they love Jalen Warren. Najee Harris's only game with 90% or more of the snaps came in a game that Jalen Warren got hurt in. So what that tells me is they like the 65-35 split because they like getting Jalen Warren his touches. But if Najee was to go down, it's not going to be 65 Jalen Warren and then like 35 between, you know, what, Anthony McFarland and like Benny Snell. It would probably be like an 85-15 type split there where he is getting that James Conner, D'Angelo Williams, patented Steelers workhorse type workload, which just on volume alone would make him a top 24 running back if Najee went down. Now, moving on to the wide receivers, uh, I brushed this guy to the side last week, and I would like to, you know, shack meme of, I apologize, uh, I wasn't familiar with your game, and that's Chris Moore. Now, I don't think that he is, like, great or anything, and he only put up 8.2 PPR points this week, but the usage has been there over the last two weeks, and you can sort of hang your hat on that at the very least. We look here, and... Week 14, week 15, week 14, he goes crazy. 11 targets, 10 catches, 124 yards for 22.4 PPR points. And I thought we saw that and was like, okay, that's probably just a blip on the radar. Nico Collins wasn't there. Brandon Cooks wasn't there. Weird game. He popped off for one, but he comes out the next week. And I know that it doesn't look great, right? 8.2 PPR points. He didn't really do anything, but 
He had nine targets. So a guy that's commanding 10 targets over the last two games with Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks gone, I think Nico Collins could maybe come back this week. But if this is, again, an empty wide receiver room with no Nico Collins, no Brandon Cooks, I think Chris Moore against the Titans this week, who are allowing the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, is probably a fine flex play like in the, I would say like wide receiver 40 area, like wide receiver 35 to wide receiver 40, a guy that you you don't want to put in your flex. But I'm saying if you're out there, you're desperate. He's not, it's not the end of the world. Maybe you need a replacement for Lockett. Chris Moore, you could do a whole lot worse than Chris Moore. Uh, our next wide receiver is going to be Jahan Dotson. And this is a guy who I was starting to sour on quite a bit, but he had his best game as a pro on Sunday Night Football. Five targets, four catches, 105 yards, a touchdown, his first 80-plus PFF grade in a single game, his first 100-yard game of the season, his first game over two yards per out run. He looked amazing. And if he can build on this, I know we, we talk about it to the point where I sound like a broken record. We're chasing these rookie wide receivers. They stack on points after the bye week. We just saw that with Jahan Dotson. And if this sticks at all moving forward, he has the upside to be one of those league winners down the stretch, you know, like an Ayuk, a Debo, an A.J. Brown, a Amon Ross St. Brown from last year, all of that that's in his profile, especially with catching all these touchdowns, which aren't sticky, but he's been scoring them. And, you know, in a week-to-week game, you need those spike weeks from those touchdowns. Now, his two next matchups aren't great. It's the 49ers and the Browns. Surprisingly, the 49ers haven't been amazing against the pass. And the Browns have been so bad against the run that teams just want to run on them. There probably isn't going to be a lot of volume or scoring in either of these games. That's just kind of how Washington games have been this year. Neither of them are like buzzsaw matchups, and neither of them are super, super easy for Jahan Dotson. After that, we have a tight end streamer for you guys, Jawan Johnson. He has been going absolutely crazy. Like, I think Jawan Johnson is one of the more like not talked about storylines of this season he put up six targets four catches 67 yards and two touchdowns last week for 22.7 ppr points on sunday now if we just look since week seven he has been on an absolute tear 20 dud but you have to remember these tight ends like it's impossible to be consistent or anything 20 point bomb then a three point bust and then 12 15 13 those are all extremely extremely usable like top five tight end weeks just with how bad the position is San Fran, I want to say he probably gets hurt in San Fran, hurt Tampa Bay, bye week, comes back, 20-point game. Since week seven, he's at 12.5 points per game, which is the tight end five since week seven. The tight end five. Juwan Johnson has been the tight end five since week seven. I want to say the only guys ahead of him are like Kelsey, Goddard, and the other two, the other two I can't even think of. Um, I'm trying to think through. Maybe, probably not Komet. I don't think it was Hawkinson. Uh, could be Fryermuth, but yeah, he's up there with the big dogs right now. He's available in a lot of leagues. The only concern here is the lack of routes. He has run a route on just over 60% of dropbacks uh, in this week 15 game. You want that to be like 70%, 80%, but he's producing at a top five rate and tight ends are so scarce that, I mean, if the participation isn't there, participation or the route participation just means that he's out there on more routes. So you can get a little bit more consistency, but there's not really consistency at tight end anyway. So I think that he's fine to roll out there as like a, you know, tight end 8 to 12, like back end streamer type option that has shown the ability to put up 20 plus PPR points twice already in his last like what, one, two, three, four, like in his last like six or seven games. So he has the upside. 
the week to week floor might not be there because of the route participation, but I think if you if you don't have a tight end, I think you could do a lot worse than Jawan Johnson. Now that is going to do it for us today. We're super late in the season, so like I don't even really like pushing the Patreon. But if you guys are looking for a little boost in the playoffs, I guess hop on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Ron Stewart. I break down exactly how much fab I'm bidding on each and every single one of these guys. So you guys, so I can go out there, dominate my waivers, make sure I'm bidding the right amount on the right players all the time. So with that being said, if you enjoyed, make sure you get down below, subscribe, leave a like, and I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice, I got the juice. Chatham's on, foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of on. Rapper, song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaner.